0: Chumba.
1: Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Sure. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. because wow. Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the National Championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and takes podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll Be Sure. And uh, we are here to bring you part two of our Big 12 basketball preview. So, of course, the gang from part one's all back, starting off with my guy, Jeremy Gillen. What is up, Jeremy?
1: Not once, but twice around, ready to talk about basketball yet again with one again. of the best.
0: And one of the best, here he is, Shahan Raja. Um, back for part two. I'm surprised you came back, Sean. <laughs> I mean, l- listen, I had no choice, right?
2: So we had to finish the job. We gotta, we gotta get it done.
0: I mean, that's that's true. I kind of uh, kind of held you hostage. Um, I said that uh, if you if you leave, I will make sure Scott Drew leaves the Baylor program. Uh, oh, you couldn't I have do that. My if you way. Tried. Oh, I have my ways. Okay. You don't, you you, don't you worry about that. All right. I've been watching a lot of Fast and Furious movies. And if Dom <laughs> Toretto can go into, or if, if, if Ludacris can go into space, I can find a way to get Scott True to <laughs> Baylor. All right. So, um, so, last we talked, we talked about kind of our top four in the conference, which was uh, in, in no order Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech. That's kind of our top four. And I do want to get your thoughts on Texas Tech later in this episode, but let's go to uh, the garbage of the conference. No, I'm just joking. Let's go to the rest of the conference where we don't necessarily have them ranked as high as those four that we just mentioned, but still really good teams. Really the first team I want to talk about of of that group is a team that last year a lot of people thought they were just Caden, that's it. But I've been big on Mike Boynton for a year. That's Jeremy. I've been really big on him for a while. He's probably my favorite coach, not named Mark Adams in the conference. Um, and I think Oklahoma State is a really good team, even post-K. I Isaac LaKeely, a guy that was very close, almost a Red Raider, um, is really now, it's his time to take over the reins as the star for the Cowboys. What do you think about the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys?
2: Yeah, I think the way that they ended the year really surprised me. Because, like you mentioned, I, I thought that they might just kind of end up being k and some guys. Uh, I think that they had some young guys who really came along. and. Mike Boynton has done just, I think it's a credit to Oklahoma state, the way that they've let him kind of do his thing. Cause it took a while. They were pretty bad for a while. And I think it's a, and, obviously when you have a commitment like Cade Cunningham that helps but I do think that that's a credit to what Oklahoma State let him do and so it's been a slow build but I I think that they have some young nice players that I really like again I mean they they are not in that top group to me I I mean look at Ken Palm they're the next team they're number 37 right but that's still a really good team that's still a tournament team that's still a team that could push uh, you know more to the edge of that top four group than push for the top but like I I think they're probably the next team up and just their depth the way that they move the ball I think is going to be really big for them.
0: Jeremy, what do you think about the Cowboys?
1: Talk about one of the teams that like the question of does continuity matter for a basketball team? And this team is probably your best example, like your best illustration of that answer. Either way it slides this season, right? Because they're bringing back like over 80% of their minutes. Um, You know, Kate Cunningham is gone and they addressed that in the Big 12 media days of like yeah, they're they were thankful of his time there. Um, a, a, a tremendous player, but like Isaac Lakekalee, like, Kakely, like we, we 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 he was going to come to Texas Tech, but they needed to go to Oklahoma State. That was a sore spot for Red Raider fans. He is still very much on this team, and he's still very much is ready to take a step into that leadership role. And it's something that they addressed is like this team feels a lot closer after Cade Cunningham, and not like in a negative way, but like he helped them kind of maximize their energy and their effort. And now they have all that together looking to go into this season with a lot new, you know, to start the season with a lot more momentum. They ended last season on. And so I think for them, you know, this season is squarely in their hands. Um, I I know that they believe that Mike Boynton, you've made me a Boynton fan for sure. Um, I think that Oklahoma state, you know, definitely not knocking on the big 12 contention race, but like there's going to be a tough out for a lot of teams this season.
0: I mean, I, I I definitely agree. They bring back a lot, right? Uh, uh, and, and Caleb Boone, Avery Anderson, I really talked about like Keely. like they bring back a lot. And, and, and you brought up a really good point. Cade really elevated them into and, and got a chance to really see this is what success looks like. This is what the tournament looks like. This is what the postseason looks like. And now they're veterans, right? They're vets. And so we talked about in the past pod about Kansas and how much they brought back and what they are. I think Oklahoma State, they're dangerous. I know you kind of have them closer to the bottom. It would not surprise me, maybe not compete for the title, but really compete with Tech and with Texas and with some of the other teams that we mentioned previously and right up there because I really do think this is a veteran-led team. It is really more so who is going to take over a lot of that Cade, Cade stuff. And it could be a two-headed monster of Anderson and like Killy together. That's kind of what I think with like Keely taking on a little bit more of the, the uh, facilitating role and Anderson taking on a little bit more of the scoring role. But I think if that happens, like I'm thinking it, it, it will, then Oklahoma State, man, they, they are a dangerous team.
2: Yeah, and I, I do think that this is the one team from the bottom six that could push its way into the top four. I I don't really think that anybody else can. I don't see some of these other teams that we're going to talk about really having upside of being a four seed or a three seed, for example, right? Like I think that more of them are going to be sort of more borderline tournament teams. So again, I mean, that's, that's the credit, right? When, when you talk about continuity, they're the one team that has continuity and we're going to see whether it pays off.
0: So you talk about some of those teams towards it. I think one team that might have been kind of in that bubble to to really compete is West Virginia if Miles McBride had stayed. <laughs> Miles McBride stays, we have a completely different conversation about West Virginia, but he didn't. And though for uh-huh. West Virginia is now going to be fighting for a tournament spot. I don't know if they get there, but what do you think about the Mountaineers?
2: Yeah, I mean, they were so dependent on what deuce mcbride gave them right i mean he was such a big part of their game plan they he kind of let them play ugly at times right because he was a guy that they could rely on and i just don't see that guy i'm not saying he doesn't exist i mean that this, that's sort of the whole deal right heading into last year i don't know if we would have expected uh mcbride to be that guy right so maybe somebody steps up but even then i mean and, and this might be this this might be a little bit of like not looking at them the right way from last year. Like I felt like last year, even they, I didn't see sort of that next step for them. I didn't see that next gear for them. I didn't see how they could kind of take that step and compete with the top of the conference. Um, And I think even, I feel even more so that way now that they kind of don't have uh, that key piece on offense. Now, obviously a a Bob Huggins team is going to defend at a high level. They're going to be cohesive. They're going to get the most out of each other. They're going to play well together, but if you don't have the scoring talent, especially in this league with the guys that we just talked about on that first
0: podcast, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're still going to beat you up though. And that's, that's the thing. They is are. That Bob Huggins team, man, you're going to go to Morgantown <laughs> and leave black and blue because uh, they're going to beat you up. Also I think that Malik Curry is the best big 12 transfer. No one's talking about, right? Ooh. Nobody really is talking about Malik Curry that much. And I think he definitely adds uh, some firepower to that backcourt. Uh, what do you think about West Virginia, Jeremy?
1: Obviously, Miles McBride leaving drops West Virginia substantially, for sure. Because last season, we talked about it pretty much. To, when we So, Texas Tech goes one and one against West Virginia last season. And in the ugly loss, it was Miles McBride scoring all the points for West Virginia. And so, that was kind of the narrative for, for the Mountaineers last season. This year, I mean, I think Bob Huggins should still like his backcourt. I'd look at people like, um, I'm seeing like uh, Taz, Taz. Taz Sherman. Taz Sherman. Uh, Sean McNeil. Those are dependable scorers on your team. Hopefully, they'll step into that role a lot more this season. Uh, and then they've got their forward, Gabe. And you want to <laughs> get this one for me, Albie? Is it a- a- Asaboyan? Uh, Asaboyan? Yeah. Wait, no, Asaboyan? Yeah,
0: there we go. Asaboyan.
1: Uh, I mean, that's one of the league's best defenders, in my opinion, from West Virginia. Like, he's a tremendous defender. And so, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> I wonder why. Sure, is his hard work and talent. It just must yeah, doesn't matter. I think West Virginia is still a good defensive team. The identity for them now needs to be: How are we going to put points on the board? Because you can keep a team, you can keep a team to fifty points, but if you're not scoring fifty points yourself, it doesn't matter.
0: Let me tell you something, Jeremy. I mean, you're an African man in America. You're either a doctor, an engineer. Or star defensive player on a basketball team. There's really no in between. Okay. <laughs>
2: that's, that's not true. That's not true. You can be a star defensive player on a basketball team to get into med school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Fun, fun little detour. My my cousin's a lawyer. He gets made fun of all the time because he's not a doctor or engineer. So that's <laughs> that's uh, uh, there's that aspect of it, right? Um, so, But yeah, no, West Virginia at the very least, they're going to beat you up. They're going to give you black and blue. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I have them a little bit higher than maybe they should be. Because I know a Bob Huggins team, they're going to fight. And it's really hard to beat a Bob Huggins-led team. So um, I'm not necessarily going to get to Bob Huggins' old team just yet because they're talking about bad teams. They're pretty bad. Um, but I do want to talk about Porter Moser and the Oklahoma Sooners. It's Porter Moser's first year there. Hell of a coach. Hell of a coach. In my opinion, the best new coach in the Big 12. You know? I'm not, I don't know, I'm not really throwing shade here, am I? All right? Porter Moser is a good coach. Um, I don't even know who would compete for that other title. Right? I definitely like, have no idea. Not Mark Adams? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's been here, okay? He's been here. He's a new head coach. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, he's been here. I'm talking about Mark Adams, right? That,
2: that, that's uh, true. the The other contender has already been here too, right?
0: <laughs> uh, damn it, Shahan. I'm trying to sh- throw shade. You're totally Make nullifying. You talk, kid, man, words are important. <laughs> totally nullifying this whole thing. Anyways, the Oklahoma Sooners are coming in. Their team, we kind of talked about in the last episode, as far as they really haven't, uh, uh they really haven't competed or contended for a t- championship. Every year, they kind of are just fighting to make it in the tournament. This year is going to be no different. They're hoping with Porter Moser, they're kind of moving to a new direction of truly competing. And of course, in a couple of years, it'll be in the SEC. But uh, is this the beginning of that? Do we see the Oklahoma Sooners take that next step this year or will it still take a couple more years?
2: I think it'll probably take a couple of years. I mean, this is a brand new coaching staff. They lost some really good players. They they also lost a really great coach in Lon Kruger, right? So, I mean, this is the beginning in a lot of ways of a new era. And you kind of look at what Porter Moser did, uh, obviously, at Loyola Chicago. I mean, tremendous stuff. I I think that his upside in this program is huge. And the other thing, too, that's nice is that he gets to go to a trash basketball conference and hopefully potentially beat up on that so he doesn't have to play real teams. But, uh, you know, I think (laughs) – no, but I I do think that legitimately, I mean – it took a little bit of time, right, before he really got things going at Loyola Chicago. It's not like they just jumped in and were amazing in year one. I mean, it was year five when they made their first Final Four. Now, you know, they made a Final Four at Loyola Chicago. That's pretty dang good, obviously. But but it did take them five years to kind of make that first tournament run. And, and I think that it's going to kind of be like that. I think he's going to be a very developmental coach. I think he's going to be a very uh, culture coach. I think he's going to find his guys. And the other thing, too, is that, I mean, Oklahoma you know you have to recruit a different kind of way than you do at Loyola Chicago and it's going to take a second to to adjust to that I think and but I do have confidence that he's going to be a good coach at Oklahoma long term I mean this is somebody who lots of people in college basketball wanted right this is a guy who was pursued over and over again while he was at Loyola Chicago and obviously for good reason because he's a final four and a sweet 16 coach at that program um but I I just don't think it's a I don't think it's a turnkey operation after losing the guys that they did.
0: I will say Jordan Goldwire, I think, is a much better transfer than a lot of people give him credit. They kind of see the stats that he had at Duke and and on a bad Duke team and say, oh, okay, well, he must be really bad if he couldn't play on that team. But I think he was – we talked about it a little bit in the offseason when we are talking about this conference and that Jordan Goldwire, I think, is really transferred right before he was about to make that boom, right? And I think he's going to be a guy – he should be starting point guard for Oklahoma next year. But I think he's going to be a guy that's really going to surprise a lot of people. I see him averaging at least ten points a game, probably something like a ten and four game type of player. Which you know, for NBA fans, that doesn't sound great, but in college, that's fantastic, right? And yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I definitely think he's going to take that next step as a player overall. Uh, okay, really I,
2: I will ask. Did you did you know that Oklahoma has a recruit named Bijan?
0: I did not know that.
2: I did not know that until right this very second. Bijan Cortez, oh, some like run. some little white kid from Kingfisher, Oklahoma. What? Uh, this is <laughs> news to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the exact opposite of the other Bijan in the Red River Red River rivalry. <laughs> uh, No, I did not know that. Uh, you have any other clean facts about Oklahoma, Jeremy? Uh, I
1: mean, honestly, I think Sean hit it on the nose. For me, it's you know Porter Moser's the big higher in the off season because he's coming off of a loyal uh, um, Chicago team. That's just got a lot of publicity lately. Um, I mean, sister, she sister, Jean spawning machine. Like there's just the memes are everywhere, man. Uh, But it took a long time to get there. It took a long time for him to build up that team and get that kind of credibility and build that, like a build the icon that is, you know, loyal to Chicago in the tournament. Um, so I think, you know, if you think about it, Oklahoma is really as strong as Texas Tech was in the conference, like possession for possession last season in the conference. And so if you're looking at Adams versus Moser, Adams certainly has a lot more in the cupboard uh, in Lubbock than Moser does in Norman. So I don't think that's going to be very unfamiliar territory for Moser. Like he's going to come in and then have – I think we'll have a bigger brand being Oklahoma, which is about to be an SEC team, that recruiting might be a little bit easier for him, and we'll see whether that plays to his favor or not. Uh, Great coach, like, shows that he can, like, develop a program. It's just going to not be there this season for Oklahoma.
0: Well, I do think the guy can coach, and that's the main reason why I have Oklahoma ahead of this next team. And I'm not saying this guy, the next guy can't coach. It's just Bruce (laughs) Weber struggles. (laughs) He's, oh, there go. <laughs> he struggled for the Kansas State Wildcats, and this might be his last year at K-State. Actually, funny enough, he reminds me a lot of Long Kruger in this aspect of a guy that's a talented coach but may have worn out his welcome a little bit. And uh, But we'll see. Kansas State is the last team in the Big 12 that I really think should and possibly might compete for a tournament spot or at least some type of postseason, and that's this Kansas State Wildcat team. We talk, This is another team that's bringing back quite a few players. What do you think about K-State?
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, right, bringing back a lot of talent, uh, and it just feels like we haven't gotten the best of Kansas State in a while, and that's the funny thing about this program, right? I mean, it's not that long ago since Bruce Weber was leading this team to competing for the Big 12 and all that sort of stuff, right? I mean, they they won, you know, a share of the Big 12 not that long ago. I I think that, though, you mentioned just the amount of talent right now in the conference, the amount of coaching in the conference, it does feel like Bruce Weber's maybe aging out a little bit, right? Like it feels like he's falling behind a little bit. They've been behind the eight ball when it's come to recruiting a little bit. Uh, and and they haven't really committed to the transfer wave to the same level as maybe some of these other programs have that are talent deficient, right? So I I think that like, I think you're right. I think that they're going to have some good depth. I think they're going to have options, but I just don't see this as a team that's going to be pushing especially hard uh, for yeah, I, I think it would be really questionable for them to even get a tournament bid.
0: See, and I will say this real, real quick, and I, I think it happened to Long Kruger last year and not a Bruce Weber. Like, for coaches, the Big 12 is murderer's row. <laughs> yep. The Big 12 yep. is just chock full. I happened to shock is smart. The Big 12 is just chock full of just amazing coaches. And you 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 think you have a you have all these coaches that come in, and we, we'll get to TCU's coach, who's also struggled as well. But you think you have all these like talented coaches that have been successful everywhere, and you're like, okay, well, Texas Tech has an unnamed coach. We we'll be able to beat up on this Chris Beard fellow. Oh man, he's good. Well, well, we'll we'll be able to beat up on this Mike Boynton fellow. Oh man, he's good too. Like this conference is just full of it. And then what ends so what ends up happening is coaches that have had success, like Alon Kruger. Like a uh, um, uh, uh, Bruce Weber. Now it's who I was good, but uh, hi, this Is these guys right here it's something else, right? And so uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. And but this is really, in my opinion, Bruce Weber's last chance at it. If he's not going to be able to make a tournament with his team, I just don't see him making a tournament anytime soon.
1: Yeah, gone are the days of uh, competing for the Big Twelve. I mean. Not that long ago, Texas Tech and Kansas State sharing a you know piece of the title, stealing it away from Kansas. And it felt cool. It felt like a good – but how vastly different the trajectories of those teams were, right? Kansas State just dumped off. Like Kansas State refused to adapt really in this ever-changing basketball uh, environment in the Big 12. I mean, K-State but,
0: State still has their coach, so. <laughs> that's
1: true. Well, hey, we adapt Maybe
2: the- – Maybe Dean Wade is way better than we thought that he was. Maybe, maybe he was just incredible and just covered up for everything.
1: Oh, maybe I mean,
0: there's a really good, there's actually a really <laughs> we'll, good chance of that. I will. But say.
1: look, if, if if Kansas State's going to be this tournament team, if they're gonna if they're gonna make that, I think it goes through uh, one athlete, Nigel Peck, who was a freshman for them last season, averaged you know uh, double digits, twelve seven, um, you know almost four rebounds a game. But field goal is around 40%. I mean, he was kind of like trying to make it happen for Kansas State last season. And so and with the offseason under him, with new people around him, I think if there's anything that's going to happen, like it's going to have to probably go through Nigel.
0: So I guess it's safe to say that if we don't see a lot from Nigel Pack, we're all going to be smoking the Bruce Weber Pack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, man. I, I think that's accurate. What did I sign up oh, for, man?
0: Oh, my god! All you were thinking about when I said <laughs> that? It started like, oh, how can I work this? <laughs> there it is.
2: Uh, where'd where'd be fair, it, it was in my head too, but I was like, <laughs> "Oh, no, that's right. of well, the nice, uh,
0: Look, man, this is it, it, me and Jeremy have been working together too long. He he saw it in my eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of stopped listening. I'm like, yeah, no, just, for sure. Uh,
0: no, but I think you're right. I do think you're right. Nigel Pack. This this seems gonna really lean on him uh, to really kind of go, really take the mantle and push forward and kind of be there. Dean Wade. Um, I am curious to see what Mike McGirl does as well. He was a guy that played fairly decently for them last year. Uh, but I think one thing, the defense has to get a lot better. Their defense has got to get a lot better from where it was last year if they're going to be successful. And, I, again, I just I just don't know. Gun to my head, I don't see K-State having a good season this year. And uh, I think they're going to struggle, even with this veteran-laden team. So, Now, you had said the bottom six previously. We're really getting into the dumpster now. The (laughs) the two teams that, in my opinion, are the worst two teams in the Big 12. And nothing makes me happier than saying worst of the Big 12 and bringing up TCU and Jamie Dixon, (laughs) who we were told when Jamie Dixon first came to the Big 12 was going to revolutionize TCU basketball, bring them up from the Mountain West, and really lead the charge of TCU Horned Frogs into the Big 12. And that just has not happened. He has got a couple of players in the NBA, so good for him on that on that front. Uh, but uh, this TCU Horn Frog team, to me, not very good. And uh, Jamie Dixon's another coach that, luckily for him, is TCU, so his hot his seat won't ever get that warm. But it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, you know, he's gonna feel a little bit.
2: I, I disagree. I think that he's done very smart things at TCU, which is scheduling nobody in non-conference plays so that you can win twenty games. I mean, that's that's the move at TCU. You don't, they don't care. They just want to win
0: basketball games. That's <laughs> fair. They <laughs> don't. Cares? They don't even they, see. I see. I'll say TCU fans. They don't even notice. They're like, hey, we won again. <laughs> Who do we play? No, I mean, North Dakota. Man, I always... North Dakota Central. All right, perfect. <laughs>
2: I mean, heck! Back in 2017, they won 24 games and didn't make the tournament because their schedule was so terrible, right? Like that's that's crazy. That seems impossible, but you know that's that's where they're at. No, I, I think I remember actually writing the the preview of, tech, of TC basketball back before last year. I think it was, and or maybe it was the year before even, right? And and so basically, they lost everybody and signed all these young guys who were not highly rated and weren't really anybody that you needed to know. And then they brought in and then they lost a couple of those guys last year and brought in transfers instead. And none of them were any good. And it's just kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, like like it feels every year that they're turning over their roster with players who are worse. Right. Like it just it seems like it's just I don't get it. I don't get the math almost when it comes to them. And last year they did have a good player, RJ hard but he's gone now. Right. Like yeah. he's, he's with the Cleveland Cavaliers now. I do like Mike Miles. I do think that he's a good player. I think that's it. I think that's the
0: list. (laughs) They also lost Kevin Samuel, who almost made it, almost made the transfer to Tech. I know I wanted him pretty badly. Where Um, did he end up, actually? He, that's a quality question that I wish you hadn't asked me, but I will, (laughs) but uh, let's see here. Florida um, Gulf Coast. Yes, that's right. How about that? Dunk City, City baby.
2: What about that?
0: Yeah, no, that's right. (laughs) Uh, Texas Tech, we get past our head coaches, leave us for Cincinnati, and our basketball transfers, leave us for Florida Gulf Coast. Um, but <laughs> No, completely joking. But uh, yeah, t- t- uh, TCU just, you would think, and we talked about this already, Dallas especially is a basketball-rich city. Like probably the most b- basketball-rich city and I, I like saying this phrase of obviously, but the most basketball rich city that nobody nobody thinks of, nobody talks about, right? Because it, it's it's so rich with talent. There's so many NBA players from Dallas. There's so many legends from Dallas. That you don't even think about the fact that Chris Bosh from Dallas. The fact that the guy, you know, all these all these stars, the legendary teams like Lincoln High School, like you know, like and yet. Nobody talks about it. You talk about the LAs, you talk about the New Yorks, you 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 talk about the Chicago's. But in my opinion, Dallas is right there. So you would think the TCU would able would be able to get those players and bring them into their program. And they just have not. Right? It's actually it's funny enough, Micah Peavy, the Texas Tech Transfer that went to TCU, went to TCU primarily because it's in the DFW. So you would think that more players would think that way, but they just don't.
2: Yeah. No, I mean it's definitely a weird deal. And I think that though. So much of it is just, it's so obvious relative to the rest of the teams in Texas, how much less they put into basketball, right? Like, I mean, you are as good off, if not better off, actually, I will say better off going to SMU as a basketball player than you are going to TCU. You're much better off going to Houston. Obviously, if Baylor gives you an offer, you're going to go there. If Texas Tech gives you an offer, you're going to go there. If Oklahoma gives you an offer, you're going to go there, right? So it's like, until they kind of it's almost a perception thing more than anything else right but until they kind of show interest in basketball i mean that's going to be a big deal for them right and and obviously jamie dixon i i don't want to read too much obviously into you know into coaches and effort and all that sort of stuff right but it seems like he's kind
0: of coasted the past couple of years i, it seems, I think he has yeah i think yeah, he came it, in it, i think i think he came right. in guns blazing was ready to really turn the tc yeah. program around and saw right. what it is <laughs> and said you know right. what no okay. try
2: and And at a certain point right like I, I think that that's sort of the funny thing about and and we see this with football which obviously is my you know my biggest expertise right you see that sometimes you can sell a vision of something right like we're going to do this thing and then at a certain point you have to sell the fact that you've done it right at a certain point saying what we're going to do isn't gonna work anymore if you've been there three years four years and it's not happening right uh-huh. and so
0: We've already talked about Matt Wells in the past part, okay? We don't have to. Come on.
2: (laughs) No, but I I think that – I I think in a lot of ways. Because I I do think that Jamie Dixon, right, like he got a bad rap I think when he left Pitt and I think that he got underrated over there. But you're kind of seeing something similar happen at TC what you saw happen at Pitt where it's just kind of like you lose the plot at some point and it's really hard to recover from that in this league because I think that in other leagues, right, like I think that you you can – I think you can take a second, you can find yourself. I don't think you can do that in the Big 12. You fall apart really freaking quick in the Big 12 if you kind of lose the plot for a second.
0: So what are your what's your opinion on this TCU team, Jeremy?
1: I think we've talked about them for far longer than they deserve. Uh, <laughs> last year, statistically the worst in Dixon's five-year tenure at TCU. Uh, does feel like he's coasting. I will say, though, with the addition of Micah Peavy, which – I mean, we already agreed long ago that transfer was weird um, for him to leave Tech and go to not Texas, but TCU. So definitely home for him. Um, transfer uh, Emmanuel Miller from AM. Really good addition to this team. Um, I mean, looking at his stats, like coming from A&M, averaging 16 points a game, eight rebounds, like the, uh, shooting 57 percent from the field, like this is something that TCU has not had. And so if Emmanuel Miller is able to step in and help kind of jive this team and give them an out in the center of the court, like, uh, good grief. Like, this could be substantial. Like, this could be not, you know, ground-shaking for the Big 12. But for Jamie Dixon, this could be a substantial step in the right direction.
2: Uh, Something that he may need. Yeah, and I mean, you do mention, right? Like, you had a Peeve, you had a Miller, you had a transfer from Vanderbilt, you had a transfer from Memphis. So, like, they did at least, to their credit, take some chances on some guys who do have talent, right? Guys who would have been highly recruited, who were highly recruited out of high school. So maybe something works out and they're not just the second worst team in the league by a mile, but (laughs) they're probably going to be the second worst team in the league by a mile. (laughs) Probably.
0: I will say this, and you brought up Mike Miles earlier. I will say this. With Peavy, with Miller, and with Suleiman Dumbaya, who could, like, Suleiman Dumbaya is a beast, of a defensive player, pretty <laughs> <Like laughs> like good that. defender, huh? That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of a defensive player. I think he was like the the top rated defensive uh, defensive center in all of JUCO last year. Um, but I think that their front court is pretty strong, right? Uh, um, and you know, they that could be their bread and butter. That could be how they win games in the Big Twelve this year. Um, is it enough? Are they going to be able to use that to win enough games to do anything with it? Probably not. But who knows? I so. I, I gotta
2: ask, how are which list are you going to 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 go to the best defensive JUCO centers like? Uh, or is, is there a site for this? Is it like <laughs> I I don't understand how that uh how, how do you pull that together? Well, I That's will say this. Database,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I mean, I'll <laughs> say this. He had a program record, of eighty-two block shots. This is from the Albee Shore. Ju- yeah, like 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 Jeremy said, JUCO database. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at Navarro, at Navarro, he set the he set the school record for block shots. Right, he was the uh, what was I see here the number four JUCO player in the nation. So it wasn't for his offensive scoring; he only averaged four points a game. So I would so so, <laughs> so you just assume right? It, yeah, there I mean, must just, be a
2: reason. I mean, hey, well, I, I will say, I will say. So he's number four, like you mentioned, in the JUCO rankings going to TCU. His teammate actually was number five in the rankings akol moane another uh, another african
0: player so they must have been just tremendous defensively at navarro college man <laughs> um, tremendous tremendous stuff <laughs> all right, that is as a connoisseur of navarro junior college athletics um it's a very defensive team all right um so now we get to the bottom of the barrel and uh, at this point if you're still listening to the pod you probably said all right i mean this is <laughs> probably this is what we we're like, waiting for. This is what we're waiting for right now is Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State, brand new head coach, right, and, and JT Olsen-Meyer, Uh, Or Olsenberger, sorry. Uh, sorry, I threw that all the way up. TJ Olsenberger. Um, look, Iowa State can't have a good football and good basketball at the same time. They just can't do it. For so long, they were so bad at football, so their basketball program was, was strong. They were elite. They were competing with Kansas. It was it was tough, right, to, to have to play them. The Fred Hoiberg days were tough to play them. Now that their football is really good and they're making it to Big 12 championship games, their basketball team is awful. Um, and But that's also why they got T.J. Olsenberger, and hopefully they're turning it around. This just won't be the year they do it. What do you think about this Iowa State team, Sean?
2: Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take some time, and they're taking some swings in the transfer portal, which is what I think you need to do when you've got a roster that's as bad as Iowa State has been for several years at this point. I mean, it was one of those things where I was just like waiting for things to turn for Steve From and it just never did. Right? Like it just kept being horrific year in, year out, over and over again. So they they did hit the transfer hard, like I mentioned, six transfer players they added a top forty player in the country, and Tyrese Hunter. If they're smart, which I think they are, and I, you know, TJ Oselberger, I think knows Iowa State, knows what you need to do to win there, knows how to recruit there. I think they're going to slow play it, right? I don't think that they're going to try to rush and try to, you know, do the Texas thing and be like, we're going to win the national title next year or anything like that. I think it's going to be a process for them. Um, And I, I, they're going to finish last. They're going to lose a lot of games. But I mean, the one thing that I will say, right, is that I, I do think that this is not. Top to bottom, the best version of the Big 12. I think that bottom group is a little lower than usual. So maybe you can win a couple of games. You're not gonna pull an 0 and 18 or anything like that, but it's it's not good.
0: I'll say this. I, Ames on a Saturday is always good for one upset, no matter how bad they are. 100%. They have consistently been <laughs> only against
2: Baylor upset. last year. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's they're they're gonna be there to to really give some teams some trouble. When you have to make that travel into Ames, Iowa, um, it just, they're just not going to be able to do that consistently. It is what it is. Jeremy, what do you think about this Iowa State team?
1: So I said that uh, Moser didn't have as much in the cupboard as Adams did. uh he's got to build a cupboard first So before we can really get into the conversation. I will say uh, they did have a transfer in um, Tristan Inaruda from Kansas which I think is a good start, at least for, and we're talking about this, the nature of transfers is like, okay, maybe he didn't produce, like maybe he doesn't have a lot of production. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of play time, but he gets recruited at Kansas for a reason. And I think if he could bring that level of effort that he was coached under at Kansas to Iowa state in the same scenario that we were talking about, Cade Cunningham to Oklahoma state, like he can be a spark to help them be like, Hey, we can win games. And here's how I think we can do it. Like being, a voice, uh, like a, a voice of leadership on that team with a new coach. Like These are the things that, uh, as Shahan pointed out, like it's going to be a slow roll for Iowa State here. And I don't think they're bothered by that at all. Absolutely not. So The, the small victories early are what's going to help build this team better.
0: I am going to take your very serious analysis there. And ask you, him being Dutch, are we looking offense, defense? (laughs) Shooter, shooter, shooter. (laughs) What what are we looking Uh, at?
1: See you guys. I'm just going (laughs) to. What we know about the Dutch in general, um, very pleasant, very passive. So probably a lot of offense. (laughs)
0: There we go. There we go. No, More black so like,
1: that was a great basket. Good job. I'm going to go get one myself.
2: <laughs> no, and the, the thing that I will say is that half their transfers have two years of eligibility remaining, right? So I think that it's going to be a transition. I think that's going to be the focus is that, okay, you got this top 40 kid coming in this year. That's great. Uh, you know, next, is it going to be the 22 class, I think that then you're going to be looking at more. You're going to want to take four to five guys. You're going to take one to two transfers. I I think that that's going to be the priority. I think there is going to be a focus on trying to just get them back competitive soon so that they aren't this like embarrassment to college basketball. Like they've been at times the past couple of years, but I, I do think that, if you're going to try to do this, I do think that taking guys with a couple of years left is going to help kind of just guide it along as you're able to kind of slow things down and and really be able to build through high school. Cause you look at the teams that were so good for them in the past. I mean, those guys were high school players, right? They were guys who came in and college basketball has changed. I don't want to sit here and be naive by any means, but like, you know, that's what they've really done. They've found guys who have been in the program who play well together and, you know, and and made it work. And, And like you said, bringing in that infusion of talent, with the Kansas transfer and stuff like that is going to help. But I think that it kind of helps set them up for what's going to come next.
0: Yeah. I also think uh, one of the guys that I really do like is Isaiah Brockington. Cause he reminds me and I, and I could be wrong. here. I don't know if tech tech actually went after him, but he's the type of guy that Mark Adams usually loves. Started so I St. Bonaventure then went to Penn state and it's really just gotten better every year. And it's just increased, it increased tenfold. I think he's going to really take a huge step with the Cyclones next year as well. And, the Cyclones remind me a lot, and I'm, I'll say this, and I'm not saying they're as bad as this program, but they remind me a lot of Kansas football in the fact that of what they're trying to do. Right, Les Leipold over at Kansas football is a tremendous head coach, and he's not he's not looking at this season in terms of wins and losses. Them losing by twelve to Oklahoma is a moral victory, and I'm a big believer in moral victories don't don't count unless you suck. Kansas sucks, and that is a huge moral victory. Iowa State, they're going to be doing a lot of moral victories this year. And it's all about turning that program in the right direction. And like you said, making them competitive. And so, um, uh, but guys like Isaiah Brockington, I think, help instill the type of culture that Olsenberg is going to want there. And just really going, getting after it, really being, uh, um, you know, hard-nosed, energetic, uh, and having that constant motor. So that is that is kind of our list of the 10 teams in the Big 12. Um, I want to get your opinion on Texas Tech. I mean, Jeremy and I, we're going to have our Texas Tech season preview next week before the season begins. So we're not going to give our opinion just yet. You're going to have to listen to that on the podcast. That includes you, Shahan. You're going to have to listen to that on the podcast to get our <laughs> thoughts on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But uh, but what are your thoughts on the Red Raiders? I know you already said that we you believe that we're a top four team in the conference. Um, but be on a bash. Give it to us straight.
2: Yeah, 40 no national champions. I, I yeah. think uh, that's probably the no, I, I think <clears throat> I think that we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I like what Texas Tech has done this offseason because you lose this guy, right, who's like got all the hype, you know, somebody's recruited at a high level, all this sort of stuff, right? And and I think that it's a choice of sort of the substance, right? You're you're keeping that defensive mind. And the biggest thing that I like about what he did over the offseason is that he, he took players who I think fit him very well, right? And the other thing that I like about the team, because you know that they're going to defend at a really high level. That's, that's not really a question at this point. Um, it's And I like, you know, Bryson Williams is somebody who I covered a little bit when he was at UTEP, right? Like, like These are guys who are long athletic, I think going to be able to defend really well. The other thing that I like about this team, maybe even in some ways more than some of the, the beer teams, he said, "I think that they're going to have a chance to be more versatile off, offensively. I, I think that they have some guys who who can score in different ways. I think that you have some guys who can score in different places. I think having a guy who can be a stretch type player, no banner, that's a big deal. I think in the in the modern world of college basketball, I think it's a huge advantage. So, I think that this team has a chance to be very versatile. I still think they're going to be really good defensively. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I think that the the question about upside and whether it's winning the big 12 type upside. It's going to come kind of by trying to figure out, okay, who of these guys is going to be a 17 point per game score on this team. Who's going to be a 15 point per game score on this team. I think that's the last kind of piece, but you've got so many guys in there. Like I was talking about with Texas, with Kansas, with Baylor that I think that, that's just going to work itself out at some point. So I'm really optimistic about this team. Again, when you give me a baseline of this team's going to be really good defensively, which they already were, and then added more players who should add to that, that really helps me when you just kind of have to build on top of that.
0: There we go. Shahan, noted Texas Tech homer. Uh, <laughs> Shahan, J. Raja. Uh So, Shahan, let's get into some predictions, shall we? You too, Jeremy. Uh, so first things first, and, and we didn't officially say this in part one, but let's let's go ahead and get everyone's predictions. Who wins the Big 12 Conference? Shahan, where are you going?
2: I, I don't know how you can go any other way than Kansas. I, I just think that they're so deep. They're so good. They bring back that perfect combination of experience and talent and obviously they're at a high level too. I, I just think that right now they're probably half ahead above everybody else.
0: Jeremy, how do you have it?
1: Yeah, Kansas talent-wise, Gonzaga is my probably the only other team in basketball right now that has the same level of talent. So it's no, it's no contest for me in
0: the country. Oh, Okay, Jeremy, I see you, I see you. All right, next up, I, I also have Kansas. Before I go next, that's I, I kind of said it in part, <laughs> I kind of said it in part one. Kansas to me is just incredible in their talent. But I will say this: when we were doing this football previews, I gushed over Oklahoma and how good I thought Oklahoma was and uh they're still undefeated but they don't look as good as I originally had them before the season started um so I will say that uh so next up who is your conference player of the year Jeremy I'll let you go first this time
1: I'm concerned that it's going to be Remy Martin like I I know we kind of discussed about how there's a lot of attention on him right now um Coming to Kansas, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's going to, like, this is going to be the dude. It's, 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 it's the coldest take there is to be like, oh, Big 12 player of the year, Remy Martin, for sure. Um, I, I, I look back at his two last seasons at Arizona State, just his level of play there. And yeah, we understand there's some hesitancy. In, fr- in the first pod, I, pointing out that there was some hesitancy in his point, and Shahan rightly said, you know, coming into a, a school like Kansas, you don't want to come in. First of all, transferring a school you don't you don't want to be a douchebag. You don't want to come there and be like I'm that dude, and then you expect your team to support you the rest of the season? No way. I think Remy Martin's playing this well, playing this smart. You know, ingratiating himself into a very strong Kansas, very talented Kansas team. A very, um, you know, a very an incredible coach in Bill Self. I think Remy Martin has all the tools ahead of him to have a tremendous season, and that's very dangerous for the Big Twelve.
0: Shahan, so, who do you have as your player of the year?
2: Yeah, I, I think that Remy Martin has to be the guy. I mean, it, it's kind of because because I think that we all agree, right? Like Kansas is probably going to end up ahead above everybody else potentially. And so I think it's going to be a situation where they just kind of pull away and you kind of have to go with, I, I think it'll almost default to their top scorers in some ways, right? Because I think it's yeah. just kind of, I, I just think that's kind of how this award tends to work right now. If other teams get into the mix, if Texas Tech, Tech gets into the mix, if Tex gets into the mix, if Baylor gets into the mix, if Oklahoma State gets into the mix, that changes the conversation. But to me, I still think that that team is kind of ahead of everybody else. So I, I think Remy Martin's going to be their leading scorer. I think he's going to be the guy taking the, quote, the proverbial last shot at the end of games that they probably won't ever have to take because they'll just beat teams. Uh,
0: but, but I think that, that Remy Martin's probably that guy. So let me just say this. I personally believe that Okai Agbaji is the best player on the team. I'm a big fan of Agbaji. I think he's going to be really – I think he is really good, full stop. But Remy Martin is going to be the guy that leads the team in scoring. He's going to be the guy that is going to put up 20 points a game or what have you, and that's how the player of the year works, right? And so funny (laughs) enough, they could be fighting each other for player of the year. Like, so I mean, we're gushing over Kansas on this podcast because they're that good. Um, But I agree with you all. Remy Martin, I think, will be the proverbial player of the year, and I think both of them will be on first team all-conference. So – How many teams from the Big 12 make the NCAA tournament, Shahan?
2: I think it ends up being seven. I think that Oklahoma's that last team in. Um, The first four, you know, we've mentioned them over and over again. No question about it. Oklahoma State, I don't think there's a huge question about it. West Virginia, I think, should get in. I think that they should be good enough defensively. I think they should cause enough issues. And the other thing, too, is I think the top of the Big 12 should be good enough that yeah, kind of these borderline teams get a lot of credit but now that i'm talking about it i feel like i'm more comfortable going with six i, I feel like i'm more comfortable actually <laughs> leaving oklahoma. There so i'm it gonna is. go
0: six i'm gonna talk go yourself six. out of Oklahoma <laughs> uh jeremy what do you how many do you have
1: Jahan left oklahoma out i'm leaving west virginia out with Ooh, okay. six i do like west virginia's defense but if they don't have somebody really step into the scoring position for them, if you can't win games, it just doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter at that point how good your defense is. Um, but I, I do like the idea of Moser coming in and getting Oklahoma to a tournament, you know, to a tournament game in his first year. Cause that feels very like his coaching ability to do so.
0: So I will say this. I do think as much as we kind of raved about back, the big 12 as a basketball conference, I think this is kind of a down year. I think this is a bit of a down year for the conference as a whole. Agreed. Um, Oklahoma, I don't think, makes it because their schedule is not that good. Uh, their schedule is, leaves a lot to be desired. I think as of right now, I'm looking at it right now, they only play one ranked team in non-con, and that's in the Big 12 SEC showdown when they play 16th ranked Arkansas, who Arkansas is going to beat the brakes off of them as well. I, I really don't see them winning that game either. Uh, and West Virginia, I do think, is going to compete for it. Um, but they're another team also a fairly weak non-con schedule. And they're another team that I think if, unless they win a lot of those, these conference games, which, and, and and mind you, these conference games aren't going to give you a lot of, a lot of uh, good wins either, because like I said, I think this is a down year. I think we're only going to get five. I think we only get five. Uh, I think West Virginia probably gets the NIT. You might even see a team like K state work its way into the NIT. I don't know. But I think this is only a five-team league. Now, with that being said, those five teams, I think, are comfortably in. But I, I just – I don't see any other team in the Big 12 making it simply because this is – West Virginia is not going to have enough chances to get the wins necessary to get in. Uh, neither will Oklahoma, neither will K-State. I mean, TCU and Iowa State, we don't have to worry about. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean,
2: I, I think that the, the big thing for Oklahoma and West Virginia that is going to make things difficult for them is that – they're not beating those top five teams, right? Like out of those, out of those 10 games, you're probably winning one or two of them. Like that, that's where you're potentially at just because of how much better those other teams are. So that's going to make things difficult. Now you can beat sort of the, those three bottom teams potentially, but even if you win all of those games, that's six, you know, then you maybe win one or two. Like, with both of tough. their
0: non-cons being as easy as it is, it doesn't right. give you a lot of leniency to just beat up on right. the bad, And that's
2: and, the problem. And I, and I don't think that even with a pretty good non-conference, like you probably need to at least go eight and 10, if not nine and nine to really feel pretty good about it. And that's going to be really, really tough
0: for them. So uh, that is our big 12 preview. We have totally ran through two full episodes talking big 12 basketball with Shahan Jay, Raja. Araja. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, pl- our pleasure. Sorry. We're not going to put you through the hot seat this time. You've already been burned once before where you had tech fans <laughs> all up on you. Um, so, uh, you're free. You're free this time, John. Anything else you want to <laughs> say to the people?
2: No, man. Just, uh, check out all my work at CBSports.com. Oh. It's, it still feels, uh, very weird to say that. So I feel like I'm still just some random blogger in my room, but the checks are bigger. So I'll
0: take that. <laughs> I'll say this, Shahan. Last time you were on the podcast, you were just, Dave, you were Dave Campbell's writer. Uh, now you're a CBS writer. Is it safe to say that your bosses at CBS listen to our podcast? heard you and said, Oh, we got to hire this guy. Is that, was that what it
2: is? I, I see no way around that. Right. I mean, I know that the, the, (laughs) as you know, the national media has a very overt Texas tech bias. And so everybody's just every piece of content they can get, right. Like they're, they're just jumping all over it. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's,
0: so, so, yes, I, I'm sure that played a huge role. I, let me tell you something. John Rothstein will not stop blowing me up. I, you know, can I, uh, can I get interviewed here? I'm like, come on, leave me alone. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, but make sure to follow at Shahan J. Raja on Twitter. It is uh, spelled just like I said it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so follow him on Twitter. Follow CBS Sports on Twitter. Uh, follow. I mean, read all of his stuff It's absolutely fantastic He has not lost a step Moving from David Campbell to uh, CBS Sports Hasn't lost a step at all uh, Even if he has forgotten about us over here In Lubbock, you know It is what it is um, <laughs> I just wrote two stories this week about Texas Tech Something Completely nonsense, joking But, you know, I wrote about
2: it <laughs> yeah. Completely joking,
0: but yeah, he did <laughs> He did a he did right about it. uh Jeremy, anything else you wanted to say to the people? Jeremy did not write two stories about Texas Tech this week So
1: you know. I have not written stuff about Texas Tech in a hot while. Uh, thank goodness for that, uh, man. If we were picking a defensive player of the year, which I wish we did, it'd be Kevin McCuller um, for a number of reasons.
0: Uh, he's not African. Sorry. Well, you know. <laughs> so we just spent two episodes talking about African players. You're going to pick a, you know, a, a, a light skinned dude for for your Whatever. player of the year? Whatever. <laughs>
1: hey, hey, everybody, stay tuned for the Texas Tech preview coming up.
2: Fuck Cunningham. No, <laughs> but he tries so hard. Don't uh, come on. Watch some game. Come on. You want somebody who's, uh, you know, lunch pail uh, shows up every day, does the right stuff, you know, uh coach, son, all A- that
0: sort of
1: stuff. Avery Listen, Benson.
0: We already got rid of, we, we got rid of Avery Benson here. You, let me tell you something, Shahan. Every, every day, every week last year on this podcast, these guys make fun of me for how much I just did not like Avery Benson. Everybody, everybody loving, love the guy. I did not. And then, (laughs) and look where he is now. See, I was right at the end. So, (laughs) Um, but yes, we will have our Texas tech uh, preview pod coming out next week for both the men's team and the women's team. So be on the lookout for both of those episodes. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun time talking about the big 12, big 12 basketball will be great once again. I mean, especially at the top, Texas Tech basketball will have a really good time, especially at the top. Um, And we're going to have to deal with that snake out there in Austin. He's going to have a good team. But, man, Kansas, that's going to be the ringer right there. So for Shahan with CBS Sports, for Jeremy, this is Albie. You've been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. As always, stay wrecked, people.